We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk about some of the less flattering aspects that we've learned about the team and the roster in the absence of LeBron and Anthony Davis. In With them gone... Every player has had to step up into a broader role. And sometimes that's in areas that they are not as uh, they don't excel as much as others. And so this period of time is is revealing to, to see where that is and who that's with. I actually want to start with what I think is a common thread amongst several of our players. And since it's a common thread amongst several of our important players, this is my biggest concern about the Lakers on the court, aside from health, right, in terms of our prospects. Darius, we make a lot of bad decisions throughout the course of games. And having seen the playoffs for years and years, that is something that making mistakes, teams zero in on them, and they exploit them over the course of a playoff series. And there are enough of those players and enough guys that will make the wrong decision in the moment that's outside of a, like, that's going to happen threshold that that concerns me it's my biggest worry of what i think is a very talented team is that we don't always make the the right play to a degree that that concerns me do you think so before i start to go in my own direction here do you think this is more of an offensive problem or a defensive one that's actually a very good point is defensively we are about as sharp and precise as any team in the nba 
So I think that by and large on the defensive, like there's some things I've seen with Drummond where I'm like, no, nah, man, no, no, no. We got to get that. And that kind yeah, of speaks they to- They say that. They say that. Yeah, yeah that right. speaks to Kuz's point, right? It's like, give him time. He's learning how to like really play winning basketball. And uh, so it's it's almost an acknowledgement. Like, yes, we know. We see it too. We see the mistakes. We understood that when we signed him. And we think that we can- improve that in the period of time. And that's part of the reason why him playing 28, 30 minutes is learning uh, and getting better, improving, fitting within our defensive system and not making the same mistakes two months from now that he's making now. So, but by and large, everybody who's been here defensively, they're on point. It's more on the offensive end. I agree. Cause I was going to talk about the offense. You alluded to this, some um, the last pod. And so I'm going to keep it brief here because I want to kick it back to you. And then also Mike, too, because I think that he may look at this from even a different vantage point than both of us. But I understand the lift has been heavy. I understand the ask has been large. And I do not want to discount either of those things when I start to get into the nuts and bolts of things and direct my analysis. But Dennis Schroeder has been pretty frustrating to me as like a primary ball handler lead guard for a team that is going to play winning offensive basketball. That doesn't mean, and so when I say frustrating, that's what I mean, frustrating. I don't mean bad, right? Because what so, when something is frustrating to me, it's that there's enough good there to get you excited, Right. about what the prospects could be. Right. And then there's enough bad there to sort of kick you off track enough where you're just like, what the hell? Like, I was just looking at the good thing a second ago. Where did that thing go? And and what's so frustrating is that the bad is seems so un, it seems so preventable. It's so unforced. There's a pass. He tried to throw a lob to Kyle Kuzma. Now, this this hit the upper left-hand corner of the board, but let's put that aside, the accuracy of the pass aside for a moment. He's at the top of the key. Kuz is cutting along the baseline. He's being fronted by Obi Toppin, who was in the dunk contest. We're talking about one of the most athletic players in the NBA in terms of breaking up a lob. He's, he's up there, right, for a guy that can do that. And it's Kyle Kuzma, who I love him, but he, he doesn't complete that. I've been watching him for four years now, and I could count on one hand the times that he's completed that cut, even if the pass is completed perfectly for a, a dunk. In fact, it's probably less than three. So just the decision that goes into making that pass, and then it hits the upper left-hand corner of the backboard. It's like, it, it, it's that also in context with, oh, he just scored our last seven points as well. So that's like, <laughs> that's the frustrating part of Schroeder, right? Is that he's, it's like that good with the bad. But again, without LeBron and AD, we're seeing more of the bad. Well, look. The, that pass is like the obvious one. There was also a pass too, where it's just like he drove, he like he penetrated and, and, and he beat the switch. And then he whipped out a bazooka pass to the corner that honestly, man, like dude would have needed to be like Carlton Fisk or, or someone to 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 <laughs> to catch this ball cuz cuz Dennis threw an absolute heater and it bounced off of it might have been Wes's hands or KCP's hands and honestly I was just like that's the right idea or that's a good enough idea 
right? Mm-hmm. Drive and kick. Right. Right. I'm with it. But the some of the execution stuff is just not there. There, there was also again, ag- again. Sorry, I feel like I'm about to pile on here. Charlotte was in a zone a lot, and yeah, there was a play where the way that the zone got shifted around. Trez was being guarded by Devontae Graham on the left block. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Dennis had, for some reason, and maybe they had gotten out of the zone at that point, and Dennis has the big man switch on him. I, I think it was Zeller. And so Dennis does this a lot, where it says, oh, I got the big man on me, but I've got a live dribble. I'm passing the ball. Give it right back to me so I can attack the switch. But... He shouldn't have the pass to make at that point is to to dribble over and pass the ball to Trez. He's got a small dude on him and he's got deep enough position at this point where either the double team is going to come right away or Trez is just going to make a quick move and get to the basket and probably get get fouled. Dennis, though, basically ignores Trez, right? The first chance he got, he passes away, gets the ball back and then does not pass to Trez again. And instead, it sort of shakes <laughs> Zeller a little bit and then passes to the opposite side of the court for a three that the Lakers missed. And I thought to myself, bro, like the play is right in front of you. You've got the big dude on you. Who was that big dude guarding? Oh, he was guarding Montrez Harrell. Who's guarding Harrell now? Oh, the smallest dude in the building is defending our big guy. How about we just get him the ball? And, and there's some decision-making stuff with Dennis that is just frustrating to me. And, and there's no getting around the fact that as his usage has gone up, more of that decision-making has been revealed. And it has not been a great experience. That aspect of things has not been a great experience. There's been other stuff that has been really good with Dennis, but this part has been too hit or miss for my liking. First of all, for the younger listeners out there, Carlton Fisk was a baseball catcher. <laughs> he, I, believe, I, always, I had the same thought. His first year was 1969. <laughs> uh, he did play into the 90s, though, and he was like an 11-time All-Star, like Gold Glove. Yeah, so like he was legit, but you know you probably didn't catch that reference anyway. Uh, Might want to update that one, D. <laughs> but but we're good. You know we're good. So. I'm this is kind of this is like the podcast where I want to be you guys know I love you so I want to be respectful but I'm kind of like yeah right yeah the turnovers have gone up (laughs) since LeBron went out they were averaging 15 turnovers per game until LeBron got hurt on March 20th since then they're averaging 18 and a half yep you know uh, Dennis has to make a lot more decisions THC has to make more Caruso has to make more Kuzma has to make more like the, all of this stuff is – I can't argue with any of it, but it, turnovers were not the problem last year. Even though the Lakers ranked towards the bottom of the league, uh, they also – they had the same exact turnovers average in the postseason. And so when they do come back, I just expect this stuff to be less of a problem. The one area where I'll play along – and feel free to come back at me, by the way, if you think I'm being dismissive of that – is they did insert Rondo and playoff Rondo, even though he would make some poor decisions and force – and like, but. You could trust him for the most part to make the right read, to make the right play. So who steps into that point? Right now, it is going to be Schroeder in certain key playoff spots when LeBron is sitting. And so, therefore, I do think that part is worthy of some discussion. Uh, Because, you know, who else do you sort of 
turn that over to? Do you have THT? Do you trust him there in that context? Do you just run some different stuff uh, with AD more? In, in the, like, so that's the part where I, I am curious to see where you want to go with it. So that's that's kind of where I'm going, though, Mike, is that like I would even throw Danny Green and Dwight Howard into that mix. Like I trust Danny Green's decision making. And there's all sorts of decisions that you make on both ends of the floor. But I as I said, Dennis on the defensive end is fantastic. And that's not really where my complaint comes in. But in terms of like being in the right spot, making the right cut, making the right swing pass, just like this is the thing you're supposed to do in the spot that you're in, in a completely different role, mind you, Danny, than, than Dennis. Dennis obviously absorbs a lot more touches, right? That That's what's centric to his game. Although that will be less with LeBron and AD. But just in an overall broader sense, I trust Danny Green's decisions more than I trust Dennis Schroeder. Dwight Howard versus Montrez Harrell. I trust Dwight to do the thing he's supposed to do, even if he's not as talented of a player, right? Uh, Rajan Rondo, as you pointed out um this is a place where it's one of the few aspects of this roster where i think we've downgraded from last season and there's all of these plays in playoff series you've seen this mike where like how often does uh oh i I, like i was supposed to go here but i went there and just that little mistake is the difference between scoring and not scoring or uh you know what i mean like the margin for error now mind you from a talent standpoint that you know, we've got a, a great buffer in terms of margin for error, but it's if in at my most paranoid, I can definitely see us losing a couple of games because somebody and this goes well beyond Dennis on the roster in general made we made more unforced errors, more mis, uh, bad decisions. Andre Drummond plays into this, too. He played like the Knicks game and the first half of that Charlotte game like he was in a daydream. Right. He was just chilling for large portions of that game, just watching. And there's a certain uh, lack of focus that I think permeates the roster on the offensive end that worries me. A bit. Yeah. So I noticed the same stuff, Pete. And I think to, to try and so in a playoff setting, they have enough on the roster where if stuff like that is becoming an issue in a series. Yeah. Then yeah. you just go away from it. And I don't. And if that's. That's where Marcus all, if you're having, if Drummond's, whatever's going on, he's not catching the ball and the pain on these dives, he's making poor decisions. Then it's like, okay, you pull him out or Keith too. And, and, yeah. You Keith put is Keith one in. of the high IQ guys on the Keith team. In, yeah. You put Wesley Matthews in, uh, Marcus all Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma. You've got five dudes who are generally going to be on the bench that you just plug and play. And same thing with yeah. shooter. If shooters having a tough, and this is the, this is the reality. Like the, we've talked about this the last couple of pods. The only thing that matters postseason is winning the title, not anybody's minutes. And I think almost everybody has bought into that fully. You know that Kuzma's bought into that. You know Caruso's bought into that. You know THC's bought into that. And I think we're going to learn some about Drummond and Shooter and Harrell, right, being that they're new and they have next situations. But guess what? That's not Frank Vogel's problem once you get to the postseason. And, and I mean that with all respect. Like those guys, if they're playing great, play them 40 minutes. You know, it's just – it's. If there, if things aren't happening, we know that there are enough Lakers on this squad, Darius, that have already proven that they're going to make the good decisions, the right play, play the right way. That I think you can lean more heavily towards those lineups. So, yes and no. And so I'm, I'm like very high percentage with you there, Mike. And I think that there's a reason that we saw Alex Caruso start a finals game 
and then be a closer in many other playoff games for that exact reason when he was nowhere close to starting to being a regular starter during the playoffs and was maybe a spot start and maybe in like a second half guy during the regular season, right? And it's because of that sort of ability to lock in, focus, and make the right play. So I agree that the Lakers have enough of that built-in mental IQ toughness sort of like however you want to describe it they they have enough of that on the roster to formulate winning lineups in the key moments of the game the part where i would push back some is that the roles that are being cultivated for all of these players now are important roles they are roles in which they are being relied upon and vogel typically last season's team is a great example of this in that there was only one position on the entire roster where the role seemed in flux at all during the regular season, and it was the center position. It was the only role where Vogel consistently made changes during the regular season and felt comfortable swapping out one player for another in order to either dictate a matchup or play to a certain strength against any given opponent, whether it was an individual matchup or a team-wide one. It was only center. And now, potentially, you're looking at center and you're looking at point guard. And depending on how things go with, with KCP, you might even be looking at things on the wing as well. And it gets tricky when you have that many more guys that you're relying upon to be decision makers within the function of a lineup and then have to pull back from that when other guys have not been asked to fill that role during crucial points of the season previously. And that's it within the context of a season that doesn't have a lot of continuity in the first place, right? I think that that's the danger that you're talking about is if there are too many things in flux on a team it can be it can be difficult right to uh, establish any continuity and that's where mistakes can be made in some respects the lebron and ad injuries have been blessings in disguise we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed think because we have become like having to adapt has become the norm of this season and I think that that's going to be essential in the postseason and that's a skill in and of itself so 
in that context, I do think that we have some experience being able to adapt and adjust to all of the different versions of what we need to be. But I agree with you, Darius, that the having flux and having change at so many different spots, these are positions that we're really going to be depending on guys. And so that'll be something to keep an eye on at the very least. Let's go to break. And when we come back, I want to flip this conversation a little bit and look at it from a slightly different perspective. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So, so much of the first segment was about areas where guys are perhaps deficient uh, in their decision-making. I have thought a lot about the Rajon Rondo trade to the Clippers. I think it was a significant deal. And Lord knows all three of us throughout his tenure uh, were on him for large stretches of it. I also think that we saw in the playoffs, like, oh yeah, like that's a guy who, rather than looking at it from the perspective of there being deficiencies... I would argue that this is the best argument for Mark Gasol, right, is that Rondo has a certain genius that that turned that into a strength for the team, right? Like having playoff Rondo making decisions, not that he was great throughout the whole playoffs, but that he imposed his mental will on the game a few times in ways that we didn't replace unless Mark Gasol is playing, right? Um, And... I'm curious about your thoughts, Darius, about having that kind of secondary guy outside of LeBron, right? LeBron's the genius, the command center that that really oversees all of this. And I view this team as being more weapons at LeBron's disposal rather than having kind of these secondary and tertiary generals to kind of control a lot of the decision making of the team. And so what impact do you think not having that type of guy, or if it's Mark, right? Like if we don't have that kind of guy on the court, how does that manifest itself in a playoff environment? Well, it's tricky because I've been thinking about this of, of like a fair amount. And I sort of look at it from the sample. I don't know if either of you have ever played 2K. I haven't played two, well, well, 2K in a very long time. But whenever there was like create a player, right? One of the, everyone always wants to be like, oh, well, you know, like let's make everything 99, right? But I can tell you that if there were only like two or three things that I could make 99, one of the 99s for me was almost always going to be awareness. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because I want smart players. That's what I want. I want smart players because when you get to the NBA level, there is always going to be a baseline of talent, right? And the Lakers are very much gifted in the talent sphere. And I think that that's what you're sort of referencing here, Pete, is this idea of LeBron having more weapons at his disposal. Like his arsenal is bigger, right? But he has fewer generals now in order to deploy those weapons and fewer sort of independent satellite decision makers who are going to basically be able to roam free under the ability and guys to make their own decisions and still come back with a victory. And it's a tricky thing. I think the Lakers made several calculated talent plays during this season. When they traded Danny Green for Schroeder, that was a talent play. When they let go of Dwight Howard and targeted Montrez Harrell, that's a play on talent as well. Even Drummond in the buyout market at a position where you already had Mark Gasol, you already had Anthony Davis, right? You already had Montrez Harrell. There's a lot of assets already established at that position, and they still made another talent play for Andre Drummond. And I think the Lakers have made it their mind that, look, we're going to be able to out-talent you and do it in a way that is sort of physically overwhelming that papers over some of the decision-making issues that may exist because we can impose our will physically over you and not have to do it as much mentally. My concern, and this goes back to the first half of the pod, is that no player on the floor is ever going to be exempt from having to make decisions. It, it's That's just not how the game works. No one's role could be so narrowly defined right. that they will not have to either make a key defensive rotation, they will not have to make a key shot-pass decision, they will not have to make the right instinctive play, right? And, and instincts come down to natural sort of what's my feel for this situation. And in LeBron and in Rondo last season, I thought, and even AD and Alex Caruso, I think fits into this mold as well. Those guys were positioned in a way where it's like, yeah, these guys are making so many decisions for us. And I think it was even higher defensively. The defensive IQ of last year's team was off the charts. And this season, I see this team having way more talent, but less, of that natural, like, I know exactly what I'm doing. You could blindfold me and I'm going to make the right choice here. And it, it does concern me. And I, I see it manifesting itself potentially in any number of ways that could be harmful on any given possession, whether or not it's harmful over the course of like an entire game. That's where I start to have more like, ah, let's not go that far. Because they still have LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I I can't dispute that. As a, And you guys are both smart enough that you'll find something to, to have to be concerned about, as will any as will the Lakers coaches. <laughs> and what I would say is that while you are right, there are no more concerns than any other NBA team has um, at at this juncture. And particularly somebody that let's just stick in the Western Conference. In any of those matchups, 
I'm not worried that the Lakers are going to be at like a basketball brain deficiency. And so your point, though, is fair about you can't just let's say that we kind of singled out Drummond and Schroeder in the starting lineup. But they're when they're in the starting lineup, they still don't have to make a ton of decisions in that context. If they're in the closing lineup, they don't have to make as many but they're going to give you a big boost defensively in terms of athleticism, intensity, all that kind of stuff, then you could probably have found elsewhere to to piece into the roster. And if you just stuck in a couple of just, let's say, as Darius mentioned, the 99 awareness guys in those, in those types of situations, then you're going to be losing something physically to the point where somebody can get played off the floor. So it's always a balance, right? This is the whole, what's a guy's prime when the body is still at a certain point where the mind can take full advantage of it. And that's where LeBron and AD are. It's miraculous that LeBron is still there, but that's where those two are. Um, I think Caruso is in his prime there. I think Kuzma is in his prime there. You know, Gasol and Matthews are clearly on the downside physically. Still, obviously they have the mental part of it. And then, you know, Schroeder, Drummond physically in their prime, although even Drummond isn't quite as explosive. So it's just a I do think it's a fair concern, especially watching the way the Lakers played in this road trip, which which was kind of the basis of this discussion. But it's also easy and maybe too convenient for me to just say LeBron papers over all of that. And that's why we're discussing it. But I do. I still ultimately will just take that as, as sort of the resting point and say, even if you're not having Rondo as your secondary playmaker or creator there, that's fine. Just play awesome defense. You know, if you have a couple of turnovers, like it's okay. But yeah, that's my that's my trying to come to terms with with this discussion there. So please help me out. If, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it's important that we acknowledge that acknowledge that this is a thing, that it's an aspect of our team. It does not mean that it's overriding that we are it's it's why we're going to lose a series. Although I think that if if we do lose a series, I think this will be a central component of that. Um, It doesn't mean we don't have the talent to, you know, override it. it. But it is worth discussing. And the one team that concerns me in, that I think has an advantage over us in, in some aspect of this, at least, is the Clippers. They've got a lot of guys with old man game who know how to play. And I think they have fewer guys who are prone to making a really bad decision of the many decisions that players are presented with throughout a game. They have fewer guys that will make a mistake. Like we're going to target. You talk, we talked recently about targeting Serge Ibaka on switches or Marcus Morris, right? Or uh, there are different aspects of their team where we can exploit an athletic advantage. But they don't have many guys who are going to make like, oh, that was just a dumb play. That was not the play that you were supposed to make there. I do think ultimately our athleticism overwhelms them because that's something that they've struggled with around the league, right? Is that teams that can really athletically heat them up a bit. I think that we're a bad matchup for them to a degree where that other stuff about the decisions may not make may not matter all that much ultimately. But I just do think that ultimately this is something worth acknowledging about our team uh, in in a general sense that this is a weakness relative to a lot of comparable strengths. I would agree. And it goes back to the point that Mike was making about balance and finding that that right balance. And the point that I was making before about roster construction and the choices that were made in order to build this team out the way that they did is that Mike, simply put, you do hope that the collective brain trust of LeBron as your very top elite of like 
0.00001 level, right? In terms of like the percentile, there are really no true equals to him when you also plug in the like the physical capabilities that he still has, even at this advanced stage of his career. He has no peer in this exact way. And the hope is that, okay, well, then we have that dude on our side. And we can now bring all of these other massive weapons to the table and say, all right, well, we're just going to go toe to toe with you. And if we make two, three, four more poor decisions than you a game, we hope that our physical attributes will win us five, six, seven, or eight more possessions a game. And that we tip the scales in that direction. And I think that's what the Lakers are. If you gave them the truth serum, I think that's probably in the end, what they're hoping for is, is that we have enough, we have more horses than you. And when it's time to run the relay race on that anchor leg, we expect to outrun you. It's it's more horses total. And it's also just, we think that our number one and two horses are better than your one and two horses. Yeah. So the, but the I want to I don't want to limit this to this, but it almost feels like we're having kind of a like a shooter versus Rondo discussion when you bring in the Clippers mm. and you bring in mm-hmm. kind of the OK, athleticism, talent, right, versus decision making. You know, could that cost you a game? And I think I would still if, if I had to choose right now, having a player for a full series, all things, all things considered, I would take Schroeder. And, and that's with all respect. Just, I would too. And, and, and that's kind of the point. So, yes, there are there are some fallbacks to that, but that's where you lean on some of the other parts of the roster that you didn't have to. Because guess what? LeBron could have done more last postseason. He just didn't need to. Yeah. And, yeah. and that like in that part of it, AD could have done more. Rondo papered over some of that and was great. But, you know, is is and I don't want to make this at all disrespectful to what he did because he was fantastic. We could argue about him versus KCP. You know, and even throwing a little bit of Caruso, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Pete wouldn't throw Danny Green uh, into who the best third best player was. But that's part of it. And that guy, can Rondo sustain again that kind of run when he's asked to do it every night, which he's going to need to do for the Clippers? Right. Because he'll so that that's where I think I come down on it. But it's a, it, I agree it was worthy of the discussion, something to keep an eye on. Um, I just I, I, I feel like that's where it ultimately will lie. And I I ultimately agree as well. I just think it's an aspect of the team that's worth keeping an eye on, especially going into the playoffs. Uh, but all in all, a very informative period of time. We got Boston yeah. on Thursday. Got a got probably our last pretty tough stretch coming up. We got Boston, then U- Dallas twice, and then Utah twice. Uh, hopefully AD is back at some point during that. Um, but very informative stretch of basketball for the Lakers. Looking forward to seeing where we go from here as AD and LeBron reincorporate. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals.
Tucker. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you Not kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.